Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode... Oh, come on. You know this. No, I know this. 96. 96. We're good. It. And it's a good episode. Here's the thing. Every I feel like every episode, I always say, like, this is going to be one of the best interviews we've ever had. Yeah. Right? But I always feel like that. Yeah, no, for but sure. But it's true. Because it, we get I some hope, amazing people on. I never want it to be a trite saying. I want it to be that we always get real relevant resellers. People that don't just, you know, flex on the gram, but people that are actually doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the resellers we have on today are just that. I mean, they are amazing resellers. Uh, they've got a cool story and I'm really, really excited to talk to them. Uh, give us a little bit of background. Uh, so anyways, we're going to introduce them a little bit, but I've been following them for years, for years. And they don't know that because we just showed up on the scene a year ago. So anyways, but you know, we, I don't want to say research. It's a, <laughs> we did some so research. you were, you were, you were stalking. No, or? no. I was listening to past episodes. They've been on scavenger life before, right? Great influences in our own podcast. And so I got to know them from there. So I'm just excited about hearing what they have to say because every every person we interview drops some kind of knowledge that we've never heard about. Yeah, no, absolutely. So with the, without further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, Amazing Taste, Cindy and Matt. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and so on. Hey there, guys. Well, first, thank you so much for having us on. We're so excited to be here and to get to talk to you guys and be a part of your show. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, thank you. We really appreciate you being on. And who's who's this guy next to you over there? This is my husband, Matt. He's the sidekick. The side, yeah. <laughs> hey, the sidekick is an important role. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's right. That's right. No, man. Um, I actually do all the work. She just kind of sits around. And <laughs> there you go. I'm the one that keeps it going around here. Nice. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So, so tell us. Okay. So I'm sure a lot of people listening know who you guys are just because they also listen to scavenger life or because they're on instagram but we have a lot of new listeners we actually have a pretty young audience too yep. so and i think that's come from the different platforms that we've been you know out there sharing so tell us a little bit you know i know you guys are full-time resellers but give us a quick you know story about i think it's been 16 plus years yeah what did we figure the other day like I've said 16 years, I think for the last three years now. So it's, yeah, probably been a little longer now, but I started a long time ago selling on eBay, um, built it up on my own. In the beginning, Matt said his goal in life was to never step foot into a thrift store. Um, he wanted that. no part of this whatsoever. And then through the course of events, he was in a corporate job that you didn't mm -hmm. like. And um, he set out a challenge for me. I wanted him to quit. I wanted him to quit and to come home and do this business with me. And so he said, what it was probably in March or April, mm -hmm. that he said, okay, if you can triple your sales by the end of the summer, I'll quit my job. Ooh. And I don't think you ever thought I could do it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, challenge accepted. So I tripled my sales by the end of the summer and he quit his job. And wow. that was what? Five years ago? About, about five years ago, yeah. And so we've been full resellers, no other source of income outside of e-commerce for the last five years. Yeah. All wow. our bills get paid by this. Wow, and that's and your kids go your kids go to private school and everything. And you got kids yeah, in college. college. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look yeah, at I have one kid that I'm paying for private school. I'll be paying for private school and that's that's hefty. So I, I get it. Yeah, those are some real bills. Those are real because it's not only the tuition. There's all the extras, 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They hit you every month. So, okay. So that's super encouraging to hear that, that it's worked for you. Cause I, I don't know if you know much about my story. So I, I'm currently a teacher. My wife just started staying home to do the reselling thing full time. And I don't have any plans anytime soon of, of leaving the teaching field, but you never know. It's one of those things. Like, honestly, if we could, if we could increase our sales to a point that might be something to do. So I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners who are encouraged to hear that that's possible. And I'd love to hear as we get going more about how you were able to do that. So give us a quick rundown of like how, how your reselling operation works. What did we call it earlier? Mad chaos. Yeah. Mad chaos. <laughs> um, yeah. It's kind of a little bit of mad chaos. Uh, so do you want to just source photograph this? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's more. We'll get into more. I don't okay. Can I rewind it? Can I rewind this just a little bit though? And our our podcast is super organic. So so we we got this email. We don't, you know, we don't give relationship advice, but we did get this email from someone that was saying, Hey, remember this email that we got? Uh, somebody was struggling, they're trying to convince their girlfriend, their girlfriend Uh wanted nothing to do with reselling. So my advice was A, maybe it's time to figure things out or B, you know, try to find ways to hook that person into reselling. So for you're saying that for Matt, Matt, for you, what worked was seeing the numbers. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. It was seeing the numbers and I was in a job that I really hated. It was mm. a high stress, high pressure job. I had a lot of people going after my position. So I just really wanted to get out. So at that point, digging ditches would have been a, Okay. But it so. wasn't that it, it was attractive to come. It wasn't like you were like, oh, I guess I'll go dig the ditch. Um if you say so. <laughs> at that point, no. I, I think you'd seen enough stuff come in. And I had been doing it for probably 12 years at that point. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so you could see the sustainability of it. You know, like this wasn't a flash in the pan. It wasn't something that I had just, you know, decided to do today. And I was really excited about it. And I've done it for three weeks. And I think this is great. This is something that I had done for a long time. So we knew that there was sustainability there. Yeah, I didn't just quit and be like, all right, we're going to try reselling now. <laughs> so we had already, you had already built up the business to a point that we could live off the income before at, at that point. Mm. So, yeah. So can That's I throw it out? The biggest suggestion to people who are going to say, I'm going to quit my job and resell, resell, build your business first, first. and then quit your job. Okay, yeah. great. You, you just read, I was about to ask that question. Like, would you recommend people that are sick of their jobs? Cause you do hear that, you know, from, I guess you can call them gurus or not. They're like, Hey, if you don't like something, just quit and follow your dream. <laughs> right. So you would say that's probably not the best advice. Yeah, I would, I, you know, I'm not going to discourage anyone from, you know, chasing their dream or following their dream, but you need to prepare yourself to do that. You have to do yeah. prep work in order to attain those goals. And maybe it's different if you're 20 and you don't have any kids and you don't mind crashing on your buddy's couch for six months while you build it up. You know, that's totally a different scenario than if you're like us and you have kids and you have a mortgage and you have a car payment and you need health insurance and all of that good stuff, then you maybe have to be a little bit more prepared than you can be when you're 20 and you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. I miss being 20. <laughs> I do Don't too. we all? Those are good times. I totally get that. I mean, you could, yeah, you could crash somebody's house. You'd be at your parents' house. It's a whole different ball game. But when you're yeah. in your thirties, forties, you have a few kids and yeah, that, that changes the dynamics a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So tell me a little bit. So 
you know, what I appreciated when you're on the other podcast, which you shared how your business had changed since the first interview to the second one. And so from what my understanding is you initially were just eBay, right? And then things change and you diversified. So tell us a little bit about that journey from, you know, you were just eBay. What caused you to diversify and where are you guys now? Oh gosh, you're making me remember back to that scavenger life interview. Um, so when I started selling on eBay, like that was back in the day. So you could, you may or may not remember, like back before pictures, back when people sent you cash in the, you know, mail. Money orders. Yeah, money orders. There weren't a lot of options out there if you wanted to, especially if you wanted to sell used clothing. eBay was pretty much the only game in town, mm. and that was okay. It worked great for a long time to just do eBay. Um, and then as you came on board, it became more pertinent to us to have our income be more stable. We didn't want all our eggs in one, one basket. basket. You know, um, so Matt had worked before the job he hated in the housing industry when the housing market crashed. Mm. And you walk into work one day and he calls me on the phone. And he says, we're getting furloughed for 10 days this month. Mm -hmm. That's rough. Yeah. And so we didn't ever want to be in that position again. And having all of our eggs in the eBay basket left us susceptible to that same outcome. Mm. So as those opportunities came to diversify, we've taken them and we've seen which ones work for us, which ones don't. Not everything works. Not everything makes sense. But yeah, I think that's kind of why we... Yeah, you know, you're just... Unfortunately, if you're selling just on one platform, you're really... Um, susceptible to if something go happens to that platform and they crash for the day, you know, you had one day where you had a bunch of high end auctions up and auctions crashed. So you didn't Way get back any, in the day. You, you got like one bid on each oh, item. Man. You mean there were glitches back then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for anyone who's watching who sells clothing, I had found probably 20 pieces of Escondar. So I oh, had okay. all of this high end women's clothing. Yeah. And back in the day, you could only do auctions. I ran them all at auctions, started them all at $9.99. Every last one of them sold for $9.99. Wow. Yeah. And, and back then they were selling for what, two, three hundred dollars. Oh yes. Yeah. Now did and, you have to honor those? Yeah. I honored every one of them. Wow. I sent them out and took the hit and have not forgotten that day. I know exactly where I found them. I know exactly what they were, but that's just it. You're susceptible. It it was a glitch. You know, the site went down as those auctions were ending, and those buyers got a great deal. So, just yeah. out of curiosity, do you guys use auctions anymore, or are you pretty much now like buy it now? We actually have auctions ending tonight. Oh wow, we do. Yeah, we do. So, what's I, your strategy we, for auctions versus like buy it now? Like, do you why, when do you choose one over the other? Um. So this this round of auctions was because we did a live unboxing of a Goodwill blue box. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was some interesting stuff. <laughs> I get why you um, auctioned it. Okay. Yeah, so we just threw it all up at auction to see what would happen. And several of them got multiple bids. I was... Oh, really? Yeah. You, he hasn't seen them yet. No. Um, but normally, we are mostly fixed price. Okay. Um, I would only use auctions if I had a really hot item. Um that I thought then could drive a lot of traffic. 
or if uh, I had an item that I didn't know the value of, you know, then I'd put it up at an auction, let the market decide. But generally speaking, we're pretty much just fixed price. Yeah, sometimes we'll use auctions to blow out old inventory. Okay. Now, you yeah. got, so you guys are not in the long game. You're kind of a little more fast nickel. Like you want things to sell. I mean, we all want things to sell, but you want them to sell quickly. For, I would say 90% of our inventory, that is true. Mm. We do have um, some inventory that we're okay setting on for as long as it takes. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to ask some number of questions. So I remember one time on IG story. So you, you never have more than a thousand items in your store, correct? Not anymore. Not there anymore. was a time okay. when yeah, we had 2000, we had 20, we got up to 2,500 at one point. Oh, wow. Okay. And what made you shift from, and then how are, how are you able to keep that momentum? You made a shift. I don't remember, but there was something. <laughs> That's a huge gap. 2,500 to 700. Something you know, happened. I probably had a random wild idea on a Monday morning. Well, we, no. went, we went to eBay Open the first time, which was three years ago. Yeah. And that's, that's when we had 2,500 items up and we ran everything at auction. We All put our entire store at auction. Oh, wow. items at auction. Okay. Can I ask why? Do you remember the why? Oh, yeah. So um, I love a good experiment. I love a good challenge. I always want the data. I want to see the real numbers. Like if you did this, what would happen? So I knew what happens if you go on vacation and you change your handling time. I know what happens if you go on vacation and you set your store to vacation mode and you change your handling. I had all that data. I wanted to know what would happen if you put everything up to auction and then would that increase in sales then make up for your decrease in your lost new listings and that sort of thing from being on vacation? Hmm. So um, I can tell you that Friday, so we're at eBay open and um, my phone starts going nuts because all of those auctions start ending. We got home. I think we shipped for what, like three days straight. Oh, goodness. Like, 10 hours a day. Yeah, like oh, it, it, it was a bit nutty. Let me jump uh, in real quick. You said you had 2,500 items, right? Mm-hmm. And you put them all on auction. Mm-hmm. Does that mean they all, like, how many of them no. sold? So I think we sold maybe 400. Oh, way more than that. 500? Way more than that. I have never heard a story like this in all my we, years recently. I've never heard a story. So it's like a good, bad day, right? Or was it total loss and you're like, oh, that was a bad decision? It was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Well, what we it was a bad no, decision. the one thing we did do was we set prices for like the lowest amount we were willing to take on something. So, so we didn't it, lose money. So our okay. starting bids, they weren't like 99 cent auction. Okay. So okay. starting bids were like 10 bucks or and $20. $20. And- yeah. So we didn't lose from a money standpoint. We came home to a nice bankroll of cash. <sighs> nice. From a money standpoint, it was great. Um, the problem was we went from 2,500 items to like a thousand items overnight. Mm. <laughs> so then we have like no inventory. We've just gotten back from Vegas from eBay open. You guys have now been to eBay mm-hmm. open. You know what that feels like. Cause it takes yeah. a few days just to get over to yeah. begin with. Now we have three days of shipping. And so getting that momentum back to getting items into our store, getting items to sell again, it was probably a six week 
Well, get and you had the traffic out. spike. So you had a huge traffic oh, spike. And we could from never all the auctions, that. You mm. know, and then you just couldn't duplicate it. So it was really difficult to come back. Yeah, that. it wasn't a good idea. We would never do it again. <laughs> yeah, we would recommend doing it. It's, but um, it was fun to watch all the chichings come in. No, it, it is addicting. I mean, I'm, I miss I've done auctions before. And it's really nice when you it, it's a real bidding war. But, <laughs> but when it's not, it's not. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's true. Okay, so so now your store is less than a thousand, right? Yeah. And it's consistently less than a thousand. So you have a high sell through rate. Yeah. So what does that look like? I've heard you say you make you do about fifteen to twenty five listings a day or two hundred a week, right? Yeah. And, and then you have to replenish that too, right? Every week. So mm-hmm. how how do you replenish that? Like, what's your week look like? So it really depends on what we're focused on. I, um, when we're focused on eBay. So we generally have one platform over the rest that we're focused on. When we're focused on eBay. We're sourcing probably twice a week. Two to three times a week. It just depends on how much we find. Um, and then, yeah, we're looking for two to 300 items that will sell within a 60-day period at max. Um, and then bring them home, process them, map photographs, everything. I list everything. And we ship together in the morning. Yeah, and so. we ship together in the morning. So. Uh, so what kind of inventory are you looking for? So I'm thinking like trying to find 200 items in a week. That seems that seems like a lot. Are you are you like diversified in a lot of different niches or are you kind of focused in on on one specific thing? We do mostly clothing. It's mostly almost all clothing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. are these bins or thrift stores? Are they do you have like local connections? I mean, if you want to share. <laughs> yeah, give us your connections. Well, it's not bins. <laughs> Okay. We we have bins by our house and they're they're awful. Is it a war zone out there? You're in Illinois. No, I can't see that. It's, it's just legit bad. It's, oh, okay, just bad inventory. Nice, clean. Yeah. There's not a lot of people there. But the <laughs> because quality, there's nothing there. The quality <laughs> items that they get in is just awful. It's, mm. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's where used stained Morona goes to die. Oh wow, it's up there with natural issue. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just not good. Um, so it's mostly thrift stores, um, some estate sales, garage sales. Uh, we do some liquidation. We, you know, all the normal. Okay, very nice. And are you doing like men's clothing, women's clothing, both? And and how did you? If you don't mind me asking, because I'm this is clothing is something I'm trying to break into a little bit more, and I've only got like a handful of things. I know a lot of it comes under research, but what was involved in the process of like learning what you're looking for versus like this stuff is just garbage. So when I started, there was no YouTube. There was no smartphones. There was no going to the store and looking things up. You had to learn fabrics. You had to learn, okay, if something's made in Italy, then it's probably worth more. Mm. If, you know, you learn um, stitching, that sort of thing. And I think those are skills that then help you find those items that nobody's talked about before that you're never you know, you've never heard about, but are worth a lot of money. Yeah. And then when I started, I just researched sold items Mm. in men's clothing. So I would search men's sweaters and I would sort them highest to lowest. And I would just look at the brands and I have on my phone, I got a notepad. And every time I saw a new brand that I didn't know about, I just type it on my notepad. And then I just had this list of brands. So when I'm in the thrift store, I could just look at that note and be like, all right, that's on there. That's nice. on my list. 
I think Mike's Mike's working on that right now. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm <laughs> so, trying to make a little cheat sheet that I can use of like, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's it's I, I like your idea of looking at fabrics and knowing just by the feel of fabric because yeah, you can definitely tell you know something it's quality uh, based off of that. But even still, like I know some brands by name, but like the name isn't always easy to see. Sometimes it's just a logo, or sometimes it's somewhere else. And so if you're just looking at tags that might not always be the indicator. So even on my cheat sheet, I'm trying to add like logos and different logos over time because the logos change. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, the notepad is a good idea. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you learn things like, you know, like you said, different countries of manufacture will be an indicator. Do I look this item up or not? Mm-hmm. So if it's made in Italy, usually that's a strong indicator. To at least look it up. To at least look it up. And and what's your like... Um, what are you typically looking to buy item of clothing at and, and to sell like some people say it's like you want to make $10 or 15 or 20. Do you have like a limit you're looking for when you're, when you're sourcing or. No, because there's more factors to it than just the return. If an item is only going to make us $5, but it'll sell in 24 hours, then that's still a good flip. But if it's only going to make me $5 and I have to sit on it for six months, then I don't want that. Mm. So we're taking more into account than just the cost and the sale price. We're looking at, can I get multiples of them? We're looking at how fast does it sell? How long did it take me to get here? Is this item going to take me time to clean? Am I going to have to repair it? We're looking at the total cost of that item, not just what the thrift store is charging me for it. Mm. So you're looking a lot. It seems to me you're looking at sell-through rates. Are you using Terapeak and Completely and apps like that, seeing how fast it'll sell when you say you're you're trying to time how long you'll have it in inventory? Or are there other ways? Yeah, well, sometimes. Sometimes if I'm looking up an item that I don't normally... You use normally, I use Check-A-Flip. Oh, Check-A-Flip. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if I if it's not a brand that I'm familiar with, I'll look it up on Check-A-Flip and see what the sell-through rate is on it to determine is it worth buying it at X amount or. And then even if you're just looking on eBay and just regular search, you can kind of tell what the sell-through rate of an item is. Even if you're not in solds, you can start looking for things like how many listings are when I'm scrolling up, if there's a bunch of 99 cent auctions and they've got two days left, that thing does not have a sell-through rate at all. Yeah. You know, so if you've got a lot of auctions that have two or three days left, they've got no bids on them, the sell-through rate stinks. Mm. You know, so I'm looking at kind of those, you know, just things that you you kind of catch the longer you do it. So I don't use Check a Flipper completely, or I don't. You don't. I just use the eBay app. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm just using the eBay app. eBay app and the knowledge you have, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at you know how many are listed, how many of those auctions have bids. Are people, I look at things like, is it a weird number? So if it's like $12.63, that probably means it's been marked down several times. Hmm. Interesting. So I'm looking for those kinds of indicators too. Okay, this has been on the site for a while. Now, when you say buy it now, do you have best offer or just buy it now? Always best offer. Okay. All right. So my question with the best offers then is, so there's different schools of thought. There's one, you know, you hold out for the price that you want. Then there's the other, like you accept the offer as long as it's a little over 50% or whatever it is. Are you, are you more prone to accept almost every offer that comes through to continue that sell rate? I, I, I just ask, cause you know, we'll talk about algorithm in a little bit. 
it depends on again it depends on the item it depends on um what my traffic metrics look for that day it, it, there's so much more than that goes into it than just to say oh well it's over 50% then i'm going to take it because that's it's very factor dependent well and the thing with buy it now say you have an item up for $20 and you don't have buy it now if our someone, best offer. Our best offer. I'm sorry. Um, if someone came in and offered you $19, you missed the sale. Yeah. You know, I mean, so. Yeah. And if you haven't had any sales that day, you probably would have taken 15. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's it. We don't have those hard pressed. I have to get, you know, 50% or I'm going to hold out for the best price because the market is constantly changing and what what sold yesterday may not sell today you know i'm reminded of um the brand ed hardy mm-hmm. you guys remember ed hardy yeah, yeah that was way back <laughs> they had all the cool highlighters and stuff the skulls. <laughs> yeah so back in the day ed hardy was really big and mm-hmm. it you know it was looking great and then john goslin came on and um tanked the entire brand overnight. Wow. So overnight, all of those items that had a value here were now here. Wow. Was that another? I, I don't know who that was. I, should I know? Was that another reseller? Um, or? No. Do you know this show? Uh, John and Kate plus eight, they were a reseller. Oh, oh, yes. Right, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Is that what yeah. happened? I didn't yeah. know. Okay. Yeah. Tanked the brand and the market fell. So you don't, you know, if I was still like, oh, I'm going to hold out for that top dollar, I could still be sitting on that item. Today. Today, exactly. Today, okay. So, yeah. okay, so that, and, and you know, you bring about a good point, because obviously if we were to say anything right now, because we're on social media, that will take anything above 50%, I'm sure a lot of offers would come in. <laughs> All right, so that's another point. So I want to I want to kind of bridge that into social media. So you guys are very public about your store uh, your amazing taste store on Poshmark and eBay and so on. Do you find that social media, you know, cause we get a lot of views and I get a lot of watchers on, on when people find our stores. And I find that sometimes I'm like, great. Like this doesn't mean it's going to sell. People just want to know if I'm actually going to sell for what I said I would sell it for. Do you find that it's helped you or hurt you? It doesn't help. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> you know, just be real. Yeah. I'll, I'll sugarcoat it for you. It doesn't help. <laughs> We're, we're definitely not on social media to sell things at our store. Um, no, and I think if we promoted our items and asked people to buy our stuff, I'm sure people would probably go in and buy it. But that, that's not what we use social media for. It's just um, not us. But, you know, you get a lot of people going into your store looking at your items, and it mm-hmm. throws throws your traffic numbers. So For sure. For sure. But overall, we enjoy social media. I wouldn't stop. No, a hundred percent agreed. But I always wondered if it factored in to, you know, the metrics when the, the algorithm and so on works. So, okay. So let me ask. So I had something happen. You know, I'm just, so I listen to your stories and you know, your stuff. And so I always, I have these questions lined up. So I had a question. So, you know, we post on Instagram, I had changed all my promoted listings to 2% all at one time. So I had about Mm 1800 items. And, yeah. and then I had crickets for like two days. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because no, A, no one wanted what I had. B, <laughs> B, it was just a slow weekend. It was Veterans Day weekend. Or C, did something drastic happen? For, number one, is there an algorithm? Number two, did the algorithm have something to do with it? Your thoughts? Yes and yes. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. can you can you expound anytime on that? You make, anytime you make a major change, so you made a major change to the system. So let's say tomorrow I decided I'm going to be all options, or tomorrow I decided I'm only going to list on this day of the week, or whatever. I'm going to go all free shipping. You would think free shipping is going to be great. Can you make a major change like that? It's going to take the system a little bit to catch up. They're like, wait a minute. You know, Orlando's always done this. We're waiting for him to do this. And you're saying, no, now I'm going to be over here. You got to let give them a little bit of time to catch up to you, so to speak. Yeah, we always um, say if you're going to make changes bit. to your store, always do small, bit small changes, Yeah, no matter what it is. Okay, that that's wise. No, because, you know, we also got comments. Yeah, you know, when the whole promoted listings gate happened, we have all these gates. But uh, <laughs> when it happened, some people were like, we're done with promoted listings. And they ended all the promoted listings. And I didn't hear from a lot of people, but I heard from some and they direct messaged me and just said, Orlando, I have not had sales in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that, that hurts. Like mm-hmm. I get, it, especially when you're full time. So, okay. So words of the wise out there, if you're listening, don't make drastic changes. Yeah. And it's good also to hear from your experience that that you you definitely do believe or at least see that there's an algorithm affecting things. We sometimes get pushback um, that there's no algorithm. And and it's one of those things where it's like... <laughs> Look at Cindy's face. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Really? It's uh, a computer program. It's a computer program. No, no, no. no. Algorithm. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Okay. So like, what are some... Algor- I don't know if this actually makes sense what I'm going to ask. What are some algorithm best practices? Um, the algorithm for any site is going to be item and store dependent. So there's a lot of moving factors. You know, it's, it's the big math equation. Um, yeah. So we sell clothing. So our best practices in clothing are going to be a little bit different. May not necessarily be best practices in automotive or books or video games. So, yeah. Or even if, you sell clothing, but you, you're in California and we're in Chicago or you sell career wear, we sell cash. There's so many different, but of course, everybody's heard the basics, you know, write a good title, have good pictures, competitive pricing, all of those things. Ship on time. Ship on time. You know, all of those things are going to affect your, um, the algorithm or your search placement. Don't make drastic changes at once. <laughs> I wouldn't make <laughs> yes. I learned, luckily, I recovered after three days. I had to list like crazy and do some other things, but it worked. Now, would you say it goes all the way down to even getting back to uh, buyers right away when they send you a message? Because I know Amazon has metrics and they track as how long it takes you to get back to people. Would you say the same applies to eBay? Yeah. Okay. All right. I got my answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you have to remember that whether it's eBay or Amazon or Poshmark or Mercari, all of these sites want to have a good buyer experience. So when a buyer has a positive experience on the site, they're more likely to come back and buy again. That helps us as sellers. That helps the sites make more money and fees. Right. So anything that is going to impact whether or not a buyer has a good positive experience is going to be impactful to your search placement or the algorithm. Yeah. And I've noticed, and you know, you can tell me if this is more conspiracy and Orlando just needs to go with his tinfoil hat, which I would buy from you guys if you sold them because you're known (laughs) for them. Not, not because they're conspiracy people, but they, they wear tinfoil hats sometimes, Mike, in case you're not aware. Uh, But uh, 
<laughs> Mike's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I, I've noticed, and this has been an observation, that sometimes it seems that if you have certain words in your messages, things slow down. So if I say out of stock or this is unavailable or I can't ship, the, I, you know, I don't know what the words are. Now we're all getting a little conspiracy. We have a conspiracy episode coming in a few weeks, but uh, yeah, we do a one a year. Con- well, this is our second year, but we do one a year conspiracy episode. Oh, we ha- we have some good ones. Oh, we want to hear we'll off off air. We'll ask you. We would love to yeah. would like to talk about um, this. Well, so, it's, but again, anything that's going to lead the system to think that there's a positive or a negative buyer experience, mm-hmm. those are all things that you want to be aware of. Okay. All things that you want to, you know, it just makes better business sense too. You want to be providing your your customer, your potential buyer, with the best experience possible so that they'll come back to you. Even if you're telling somebody I'm out of stock on this item, if there's a way that you could change that and upsell them a different item, Mm. then that doesn't only provide a better buyer experience, but it potentially gets you a sale. You know, there are a lot of ways that you could be like, you know what, I don't have that item right now, but... I do have this item. I'd be happy to give you 10% off on it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. See, so, so since we're talking about algorithms and um, you've also mentioned Poshmark, um, I, I know Poshmark's, you know, it's set up a little differently and, and you know, some people complain and, and there is that element of like the share, 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 share. Right. Um, so what has been your experience with Poshmark? How does it compare to eBay? Um, what are your tips and tricks there? <laughs> Poshmark. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we've let it go. Yeah, we haven't really? sold that Poshmark in yeah, I, three months, maybe. Yeah, I've still months. got some stuff up there, but it's nothing that... I mean, I would dig it out and ship it if it's old today, but um, nothing that we intend to sell. It, Poshmark is... Um, Poshmark's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love the Poshmark community. Mm-hmm. I think the community of Poshmark sellers is fantastic. And so... I maybe held on to Poshmark as a business model for longer than I should have because you, you got emotionally attached. I got emotionally <laughs> attached to the community because I love the community. But for us, our items sell very, very quickly on eBay, mm. knock on wood, generally speaking. So it doesn't make sense for us to take that time to cross post those items and then have to share it, deal with that algorithm, yeah. deal with that. All of that deal with um, the inventory control. Well, and we were looking at the ROI, the time investment for Poshmark, you know, cross-listing and, you know, the sharing and all of it. It just didn't make sense for us to continue to sell on Poshmark. Because the the that time that I was putting into Poshmark, I could be listing how many more items on eBay. And yeah, when we did the math, it just didn't make sense for today. Yeah, and that can change tomorrow. I mean, yeah, we're not against Poshmark in any way, shape, or absolutely form. Absolutely not. No. Now, so, are there are there any other platforms that you are using? Because you did kind of mention like you didn't want all your eggs in one basket, or has eBay kind of been enough and stable enough, or, or is there something else that you're using currently? Um, so we do have current listings on eBay. We have two stores on Etsy. Um, Mercari. Mercari. Of course, we have Amazon, and then we have Merch. And so we have print-on-demand products that are on Merch, Key Public, KDP. Oh yeah, we have KDP. We have Redbubble. 
um, Teespring. Wow, you're so all over the place. I've not awesome. heard Redbubble. I've heard everything else but Redbubble. That's a new one. What is Redbubble? Redbubble is just like a Tee Public or a Teespring. The same thing. Okay. All right, merch. Okay. So is, speaking, let's land on Etsy a little bit. We don't talk about Etsy much. I think we've only talked about Etsy once with the college figure. Mm-hmm. Because he uses Etsy. So Etsy just rolled out. You know, we always, you know, we get upset at eBay now. It seems that Etsy rolled out what eBay attempted to roll out, I think, like four Mm -hmm. years ago. Do you remember that when they had the defect rates? Oh, that was terrible. Terrible. Like, that was bad. So for those those that are listening that are thinking of Etsy, so what has Etsy rolled out? Can you share with us real quick in like 30 seconds? So Etsy rolled out new... Um, it's ODR, which I can't the defect seller, rating. Seller Order defect rating. Yeah, so it's a it's a seller guidelines, and what they are saying your defect percentage has to be in order to continue to sell on Etsy. Of course, they have different words for it because they're not using the same words as eBay used. But to keep it in eBay terms, yeah, they um, put out a seller update and said you have to be below one percent of your wow. defect rate in order to continue to sell. And yes, 1% is incredibly low. And within that, then they also said, um, you can be under 1%, but if you get three strikes in the lifetime of your store, it's three strikes and you're out. Wow. Which is ridiculously low. Um, Now, there is some talk in the Etsy community that the reason why a lot of people couldn't see that ODR rating. Like I had put a workaround in my story that you could go and you could switch Mm -hmm. some words in a web address and get it to come up. The reason why some people still couldn't see that is that it hasn't been fully released. Mm. And so there is some talk that because people lost their minds. I bet. Which I mean. Yeah, no, no. That's how it was with eBay four years ago when that defect, it was only around for six months. It wasn't around for that long. Well, and, and that's just brings us to the point of diversifying platforms, mm. because yeah. if we were all in on Etsy, uh, I would have cried. It, it, I mean, we would be, I mean, granted, we don't have to worry about that today, but that's a very real worry. I yeah. mean, you could be kicked off of Etsy tomorrow. In, in tomorrow. Yeah, You could have three people buy stuff and give you bad reviews tonight and be kicked off tomorrow. You have three people on yeah. social that just don't like you. You know, it just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. and it was Etsy that you tripled your income initially, right? That convinced Matt to jump no, over. Was no, it? no, it, it was wasn't. Oh, it was eBay. I, okay. Yeah, I tripled my income on eBay. Okay, um, okay. but so the rumblings is that maybe Etsy will rethink that a little bit, pull it back a little bit, dial it down a little bit, mm. because um, they do have a call center now, and from the people that I know who called it. They got a lot of calls. That They've day. been inundated with calls. That's great. You know, like the power of the mob, right? Just call up and like, <laughs> yeah. we will all leave. So yeah. would you rather work for Etsy call center or eBay call center right now? That That's just what I'm wondering right now. <laughs> I think I'm quitting either one. <laughs> we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. All right. So, sure, uh, so let's talk about, I don't want to talk too much about glitches here, but I just want to land here for a little bit. So, so our our observation has been that since item specifics, you know, glitch gate happened a little over a month ago. It's been over a month ago, huh? I think so. It's been a while. Okay, that pretty much most items that I've noticed that have sold has sold that were listed after glitch gate. 
Are you, since you saw so much, do you, well, you maybe don't experience that because you saw through so fast. So maybe you didn't notice that, but did you see any kind of impact like that? No, no, no we haven't seen, we're still selling older items. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. And you haven't, you haven't fixed any of them either. Oh, so. I, I'm through maybe 10% of them now. Okay. All right. we're there. That, we're that's, there. that's about 70 then. I'm getting there. <laughs> but but I mean, we really, we've been focusing on new listings because yeah. new listings always have the best results. Yeah. Um, but we're still selling older items. And like I said, you haven't yeah. fixed the majority of them and they're still selling. So. so I'm not trying to say this is your decree, but so would you say right now, priority maybe should shift more and just continue listing new items instead of try to fix them? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, as those items um, become stale or old or whatever, like you, you know, you're looking at that item, you're going, yeah, I've had that for a while. Then, yeah, you're going to end that item and you're going to sell similar. You're going to take it all the way down, whatever. At that moment, then you fix it. Then you clean up the item specifics, which you should be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. Anytime you are ending an older item and doing sell similar, you should be looking at the title. Do I have the right keywords in it? Do Mm -hmm. I have the right price? Yeah, I had a sweater that was supposed to be listed at $34 and I listed it at $3,400. Hey, wouldn't that have been crazy if that sold? If someone was like, this must be a really good sweater. The market decided. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So that's why I didn't sell. Um, Is the shipping correct? You know, all of those little things that sometimes you just get going fast. And I've had instances where, you know, my description was wrong. Or or you spelled the title wrong or you put the wrong brand name on it by mistake. Yeah, those kinds of things. So you should be checking those anyway. So as a part of that process, when I'm looking at, okay, why why hasn't this item sold? Is this a brand that we need to stop picking up? Mm. Is it a style we need to stop picking up? Is it a size that we need to stop picking up? Did I mess up the listing? Whatever. Within that process, I'm fixing them. But yeah, not that many a day. Mm. All right. So since eBay went to all good till cancel, there seems to be two camps. There's the one camp of oh, you discussed sell and end until similar. Then there's the other camp of no, because that it's gonna you're gonna lose your Google rank. You're gonna lose your watchers, you're going to lose, you know, people that were following it. So you would, you're, you're in the end sell similar camp or no. Okay. I would say that I am firmly based in both camps. Okay. Um, Is that a possibility? (laughs) Such a politician. Sure. (laughs) Um, So on an item, let's say I have um, an item with multiple quantities and it is a commodity item. So what would be a commodity item? Like a pair of socks. Like a pair of socks. Okay. So I've got multiple pairs of this sock. Then I want it to stay good till canceled because I want it to show up in Google. I want to keep that sales history going. I want, you know, all of that stuff I want to keep. If it is a just a one-off. A one-off J. Crew men's button down. Nobody's gonna find that in Google anyway. If you are going to <laughs> Google and typing in used blue j crew really <laughs> that's true well yeah. probably not doing that anyway and, so and then, and then the other problem with that is how many other people have used j crew blue button down yeah. shirts that are going to come up in google also yeah so i'm sure like 13 or 14 pages down it's there you know yeah exactly you get to page 34 <laughs> there mine will be in google so i am i'm okay with losing my google placement on that item gotcha. to end and sell somewhere on it okay that's yeah that makes sense 
I love the knowledge that's being dropped. It's good I stuff. know this is this is like very practical stuff. Thank really you appreciate guys. it because I don't know um, how much you know, but like I'm I'm still relatively new reseller. Like I'm just over a year of reselling, um, and so you know a lot of the stuff you're saying is you know I want to say news to me and also just like helpful tips of like okay like okay, do that's this, how do much this. I didn't share with Mike. That's basically what he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> a year and a half of podcast or law. No, I'm sorry, Mike. You haven't even told me this stuff. <laughs> okay, so hey, uh, another question. So. Well, this is all questions because it's an interview. But um, <laughs> you had mentioned selling during the recession, did you? Or maybe okay, talk to us a little bit about that. We've had pretty much what I've heard is reselling is not recession proof, but it can still definitely work during a recession. And you sold through a recession. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it changes. So okay. in a in a downturn economy. You don't have as many people donating items because they're holding on to them. So sourcing becomes more difficult, but you have more buyers because hmm. people are not buying new anymore. So so it it switches. Um, but you have to market it. You have to change up your strategies a little bit. You know, how you, how you source, when you list, how you list, all of those things have to change a little bit. But yeah, I did really, really well through the last recession. Yeah, it's good to hear. It's encouraging. So you're saying you had a good amount of inventory? Is no. What, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was before I quit. So no, um, we are team no death pile ever. Nice. Ever. Nice. Ever. Okay. We do not have inventory that we don't get listed. Nice. And never. No. Yeah. We. If What's it's the longest here, you go? Like what's that? What's the longest you go between like sourcing an item before it's listed? I like, think what's they're saying like when they drop it off like on the floor, ends up on the mannequin, like nice. ASAP. Yeah, it's three days maximum. Three days okay. max. Like we source today, tomorrow we'll process it, and you'll start listing it tomorrow. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I didn't, but you have to become maybe a little bit more creative in how you source. So, you know, instead of just going to one thrift store, maybe you have to go to five or six. Maybe you start, you know, reaching out to your friends and family. Don't take stuff to the Goodwill. Let me come and pick it up. Mm. That kind of thing. So you have to become a little bit more creative in how you source. But there are always ways. Where there's a will, there's a way. Always. Nice. So I got a question for you. So you guys have been doing this for for a while now, and as a as a pair, as a, as a team, which you know that presents its own positives, and sometimes you know there could be issues for some people. Um, now, my question though is like, what are some tips that you have for resellers to prevent burnout? Because I know even for me, like doing this short time, there's there's times where it's like things sell, and I've got to go ship it and get it to the the office, and I don't want to do it tonight because I've got other stuff going on. Like how how do you prevent burnout? We look at our bills yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we say, we got to work, we got to pay bills. Um, you know, I think it, it's a job mm. for, yeah, us, for, you, yeah. for us. This, this is our job mm. and you, you're going to get burned out. I mean, it's inevitable. There are times where we're like, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. It's, it's a job. I mean, you just, but you have to realize we're paying bills with it. So right. we have to do it. But I would say one of the things that I like to do, and he loves it when I do this, um, I love a challenge. I love to try Mm -hmm. something new. So any random day of the week, he might get up and I'll be like, 
I have this idea. We could do this and then we could try this. And then we wind up with 2,500 items on auction. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the wildest stories we've ever heard. I've ever heard it reselling. 2,500 auction. All right, keep going. Um, But those kind of experiments, like try the bins, try retail arbitrage. We tried the hard goods. That was an epic fail too. Um, or, or just try going to new new thrift stores yeah. or new sourcing areas, someplace that you didn't normally go to, you know, just change it up a little bit. I mean, yeah, it keeps the kind of keeps it fresh. Yeah. Okay. So we're in the, we're in the midst of Q4, right? The, the, the wave, wave hasn't hit at least, or maybe I'm just alone in that. Maybe it has and I sourced it the wrong. I, yeah. I, I, I completely sourced incorrectly. So my question is, so, a lot of people, you know, when they think Q4, they think that it's going to boost sales all around. And I know <laughs> I'm getting the IT already. They're nodding. So I noticed you guys change your focus on Amazon. So talk to us about some of the what our listeners can expect with eBay as far as Q4. And then why do you guys shift to Amazon? Uh, well, this you is know, the first year we ever have. And, oh, and actually, okay. with in regards to eBay... Q4, I mean, people throw Q4 around like it's this golden time of the year that everything sells. It depends on what you sell. Mm. You know, if I'm selling swimwear, Q4 is not my busiest time of year. I don't care if it's Christmas or Thanksgiving. People are buying swimwear in in the winter, you know? I mean, so Q4, you have to look at what you sell. And for clothing. For used clothing. For used clothing, Q4 is not our strongest quarter. Mm. Yeah. It's just not. And and it never has been. And last year, um, like you, I like to test those comp- conspiracy theories. <laughs> so last year, um, I wanted to see, could you have growth in December in used clothing? Hmm. So we last year, we doubled down on eBay and had one of our best months ever. I think we had our best month of 2018 in December last year. Really? Hmm. So it can be done. Was it a lot of work? It was a lot of work, but um, yeah, we were sourcing and listing the same day, the wow. same day. Then. So yeah. we would source, photograph, list the same day and rinse and repeat every day. So, so what, what do you, when you say every day, do you mean like, you know, okay, I know you get up like at three in the morning or something, Cindy, because yeah. your, your IG stories are up and I look and it's like, I get up like at nine and I look and it's like six hours Humble. ago. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. That's a <laughs> Like you definitely are, you know, that's good. That's something that, you know, people get on me that I need to wake up earlier. And Cindy probably agrees with that. But my my question is, uh, what was my question? You know what my question was? I, I ain't got any idea. I was landing somewhere was. with this one. Okay. I love organic podcasts. So um, oh, here's my question. What does it look like throughout the day? Does that mean, you know, you're waking up, you're doing some shipping and then from 9am until one, you're sourcing. And then from one to four, you're getting the listings done. What does that full day look like when you're really intense? When we're really intense, um, Matt will get ahead of me in the photographing. So I get up really, I get up stupid early, like admittedly stupid early. Um, Matt doesn't. But that's just because that's, you know, I'm a big believer in just your natural body Mm. clock. And when you just naturally wake up, that's just when I naturally wake up. So I'll get up at 3, 3.30 and I will list then my best days are when I have all of my listings done by 7.30 in the morning. Nice. So I've knocked them all out by 7.30. Then we ship, then we source, 
And then I'm napping at <laughs> one, two o'clock in the afternoon and Matt's taking photographs. Mm, okay. And so, yeah, that's just what works for us. But, but yeah, so last year we, um, we pushed against eBay to prove that it could be done. Um, this year we wanted to see one of the conspiracy theories I hear a lot is that you can't do well on Amazon if you're not ungated in all the major brands. Mm. It's too hard. You can't find enough mm -hmm. stuff, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So challenge accepted. Matt loves me so very much. Um, <laughs> I said, okay, let's see. Let's see what happens. What would happen if we backed off of eBay, did just enough to cover the bills because, you know, still have to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. But then we took all of that extra time and money and effort and dropped it into Amazon. We've done Amazon on a very small scale for a very long time. So we understand it, but we're still gated in all those major brands. Mm. So I wanted to see what would happen. All right. So that's what we're doing. I No, I love it. I, I love hearing. I mean, I think one of the reasons, I mean, you talk about it's a job, but you love, it seems both of you love the adventure. Oh, I, Oh yeah. It's so, yeah, it's the best job I've ever had. Yeah. That's absolutely. Good. That's so good to hear. Okay. So and speaking of that, you had mentioned uh, on Scavenger Life at one point that you had gotten into wholesale and so on. Are you still doing some of that? Not right now. We okay. have wholesaled items direct in from China. We have, yeah, we've done li liquidation and there is that difference. Um, we've done both sides, but not right now. Would you see it's ultra competitive and the margins are really thin still? Or, I mean, more than they were when you were doing it years ago? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that just goes across the board, I think. Yeah. The the risk level on wholesale is significantly higher. Really? Probably anything else you could do. Because in order to do wholesale well, you need to bring in lots of a single item. So instead of having a hundred different items from the thrift store, so I have a hundred hooks in the water. I have all the same item. I have a hundred of the same exact item. So I've just narrowed my buying my buyer field way, way, way down. Mm -hmm. And I've had to upfront all of that money. And then you're looking at there's a lot of other things that can go wrong. You've got things that come in wrong, things that come in that we got some stuff in that was just garbage. Oh, like no. the the first one, the initial one was great. Great. You know, we placed our order. They were garbage. Oh, <laughs> we couldn't give them away. It was bad. Oh. It was bad, bad, bad. But you live and learn. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. So other than the, the big debacle of putting everything on, uh, on auction, right? Your 2,500 items on auction. Uh, what have been some of maybe like your biggest failure as a reseller and then like your biggest success as a reseller? Well, the bins was oh. our biggest failure. Oh. Go, going to the bins. I mean, we heard everybody talking about the bins. Going to the bins, it's great. It's yeah, 10 cents a pound or whatever it <laughs> yeah. is, 30 cents a pound. So, so you go in there and you know, we're like, well, this is only 10 cents a pound. And so we're going to buy it. And I'm going to turn. Well, it was, you know, unfortunately, this holds true for our bids. Right. Now, this may not hold true yeah. for everybody. Some people I have beautiful bids. Yeah, some people mm -hmm. have where they get great items. Ours just wasn't that case. And it was a yeah. big failure. And yeah. we just followed the crowd 
because everyone else is doing it and succeeding at it. Well, we like to test everything. Yeah. So, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. We like to, anything that pops up that we kind of hear over and over and over again, we're like, yeah, all right, it. we're yeah. game. We'll try it. See what happens. Yeah, it was not good. So how yeah. long did that go on for? Like, were, did you keep saying this will get better? Like tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow? Or were we, you? We tried. For about a, a solid month, we did the bins. Mm. Yeah. And Ooh. we sourced the bins and we, you know, cause you are, you're buying stuff super cheap. Right. But what we found was you're there, you've been there forever. You've touched, you know, the wet. Mm-hmm. And now you're <laughs> like, okay, um, you know, you've been there, yeah, like you I touched the, the wet. And so you're like, I'm going to make this trip worth it because I have gone through all this. So now you start throwing stuff into your cart that maybe yeah. is not so the desperation great. sourcing. Yeah, cart filler. Yeah. I want to feel better by the time I get home. Uh huh. <laughs> but then when you get home, you still have to process because we're team no death pile. You still have to process all that. You have to list all of that. So from a time vantage point, it it was ridiculous how much time it was taking us to then process and list what was essentially cart filler. That stuff sold, mm. and there was still money there. But it just didn't make sense financially. We, to we do didn't it. see the ROI. No, right. it, it just wasn't there. So that that was a fa- we've had a few. That was a failure. Um, we tried to ra- raise our ASP. That was a that was a big one for a while. Everybody said, "Oh, you just need to raise your ASP." Just sell higher priced items. So for our listeners, price. that's average sale it's price. Yep, yep. It's just that easy. You just sell the higher priced item. That was a failure. So why was that a failure? Was it there wasn't enough to source or there was not enough buyers? The sell-through rate was low? Both. Well, sell-through rate's a lot lower on higher price items because you have less people looking for them. So you're going to go through this period then where you went from having regular sales, regular sales, regular sales. Now you start listing only high-end items and you have no sales, no sales, no sales. Mm. And if you have to pay your mortgage, that's not going to be good. Yeah. You better have some savings for that period. So that's rough. And then, yeah, everybody says, you know, source higher end items. That's great. I don't know about you guys, but we don't leave higher price items behind at the store just because we didn't feel like listing them. Today. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's yeah. land there a little bit because I've noticed this in the last month or two. I've listed what I I term junk items, but they're items that are less than 15 bucks. But they're, you know, I, some of them were like model train pieces. Some of them were this, but it seemed that like I would sell three and then a high end item would sell. Right. And yeah. then I would sell one or I, I'd be willing to accept a low end offer on what I consider junk that I was going to donate anyways, but mm-hmm. things happen. So are you saying loss leaders are important? Not lost leaders. Okay. I don't believe in taking a loss okay. on anything. <laughs> that's good to know. Well, I didn't lose money on any of it, but that's just the term I gave on it. But okay. Yeah. 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 Loss, loss leaders, I don't think is a right term for, but okay. you want to have traffic. Yeah. You want to keep traffic going in your mm-hmm. store. eBay, you want to show eBay, hey, I'm or willing Poshmark or Poshmark or whatever. I'm willing to sell things, you know. And I have items people want. Right. Yeah. So it's good to have items that the margins aren't high, but just so you have things that brings traffic that people will buy. And then hopefully you'll have other buyers that show up as the algorithm pushes you up in the search. That's why we said we don't look at, okay, I won't buy an item for $5 that sells for 15. Because yeah, I very well might if it sells in 24 hours. Uh, I for sure will if I can buy 10 of them. Right. I'm going to dance out of there if there's 20 of them. Yeah. 
So it's not about, I only spend $3 if I can make 20. It's so much more complicated than that. Yeah. No, that's good. No, these are nuances. I, I mean, I've heard them, but I, I'm, you know, I appreciate you validating them. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, we sell primarily loot use clothing and mm-hmm. this is what works for us. If you sell auto, auto it's parts, a totally different game. Or if you're selling DVDs, it's a totally different game. The rules might be a little bit different. You know, the the overall gist of the theme is probably there, but there, there's going to be different nuances in what category you sell on. So and very, where you are, yeah, and how much you can source, and how fast yeah. you can list it, and all of those things. Yeah, it's all very case dependent. Yeah, that's good. So I have. Um, a couple of examples, and we, I mean, we all do as resellers, but on the podcast, I, I've talked a few times about some items that I've been able to buy for like really cheap. You know, I had a, a, a Apple hat, I had a calculator and they've sold for like over a hundred dollars. The calculator I bought for $4, it sells for 375. Mm-hmm. And those are the yeah. things that like hooked me and like, I'm, I'm the most excited about. So do you have like a, a, an example or two of like an item that you were able to get for really inexpensive and it sold for just an astronomical price? The Apple poster. Oh, Apple yes, Macintosh yes, yes, poster. yes. You did find that. I found an old Apple Macintosh poster at a thrift store. And they just had these big boxes of posters. And this thrift store, we go to semi-regularly, and it gets picked hard. There's, There's a, lot a lot of, of pickers that go in there. Um, so we're going through these posters, and I find this, and I see this in an old Apple. And I'm like, I know these Apple ones. It turns out it was the drawer of the, the artist of the Simpsons, Matt Grodig, I believe. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It drew this and it was highly collectible. And what did we pay like a buck for it? I think 99 cents. And we sold it for what, 150? Yeah, 150 nice. Yeah, it was fairly quickly too. Yeah, and all these people are digging through these posters and there are a lot of them more like movie posters and mm. stuff. So they're looking at that. No one looked at this one. Wow. That was probably one yeah, of the that coolest. Was fun. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, a lot. So, along with that, you know, you started, and you, you know, you obviously made a lot of mistakes. We all make mistakes when we start, first start reselling. So, what are what are some quick tips? Because we have we have a lot of new listeners that you know they jump on and and they want to make things happen. What would you say are like some three very basic tips for people to like scale their early eBay? Is that yeah, a big- yeah, pay attention to your titles. Okay. Your your title is what is going to, you know, that's the front door to your store. And so if your front door is, you know, missing pieces, then nobody's coming in. So pay attention. I'd say absolutely pay attention to your titles. Mm-hmm. Um don't make huge changes. I mean, don't make change, that's, huge that's, changes all at once. I, I, I don't so, mean, so I made a rookie mistake, is basically what I'm hearing right now. But really, yeah. You, Learn slowly. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't make and don't jump into something with both feet right away. Okay, take your time. Build give build, yourself time and grace yeah, to your, grow. Yeah. Um and, and don't get discouraged. I mean, you know, when you look at stories of other people and they're selling all this stuff and they're making all this money, you don't get discouraged because you're not necessarily there yet. You know, I mean yeah. yeah. Follow your own path. Yeah, I think that th- I think that's important that so many people, they want to go from zero to 180 overnight, but that's not sustainable growth. Slow growth is sustainable growth. 
I like that. So we can but, we can uh, coin that slow growth yeah. to sustainable growth. That might be a merch item. Yeah. For for them though, not us. That's our quote of the week that, for the yes. week. Um, Good job. But one of the biggest reasons that small businesses fail is that they grow too fast. Mm-hmm. So everybody mm-hmm. wants to grow fast, but it's one of the biggest reasons why they fail. Because when you grow too fast, you don't have the systems in place to handle that growth. Mm. And so growing too fast will actually cause the demise of your business. So allow it to grow slowly so that that growth is unsustainable and is going to last over years. And you're not going, you know, we've seen a lot of sellers come and go. They, they grow too fast. They get too excited and then they burn out, you know, like, I'm not just going to list 20 items a week this first on my first week. I'm going to list 200 items my first week. Well, then you burn out by yeah. the end of the first week. Go s- allow yourself some grace. Oh, that's good. I think that's great. That's that's amazing. And that's just good life advice in, in a lot of things, such as business is kind of, I mean, we yeah. see that with all kinds of stuff, whether it's people with diets or exercise yeah. programs or whatever, like they go too far too fast and it ends up damaging them and then they don't end up sticking through with it. So I like that idea of, of the slow growth. And, and I think that's also probably encouraging for a lot of our, our listeners, especially if they're just starting out or they're in that place where they feel like they're grinding. Cause it is a grind, right? Like it takes time. Yeah. So would yeah. you, okay. So, so let's talk about the grind a little bit. Let's be real here. So would you say you work more or less than Matt than you did in your corporate job now? And is there, does it matter? Um, probably more. Yeah, I would say more. I work more now, oh, yeah. but but the thing is, <laughs> you know, I, I I enjoy it, so it doesn't really feel like work. Mm. You yeah. know, when I'm taking photographs, I got the TV on, or I'm He's listening. yelling at the prices right. Yeah, I'm yelling at the prices <laughs> right. Or or you know, I got music on. You know, I, I'm not at in this cubicle or in an office, and I don't have people just yelling at. Well, except for you yelling at me. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I mean, so it doesn't feel as much like work. Mm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely work more than we did in corporate jobs, but I yeah, wouldn't trade it. Wouldn't no, trade it at all. I, I mean, are you really working when you're at home on your sofa in your pajamas? I mean, <laughs> you know, I think one of the biggest things, um, biggest piece of advice I can give to somebody who wants to, or is thinking about doing this, um, it, it's, you have to treat it like a job. Yeah. You know, you can't just say, Oh, I'm going to sleep in until two in the afternoon. And maybe I'll work tomorrow. I mean, you got to, we have a routine. I mean, we get up in the morning and we ship and we photograph. So. Yeah. <laughs> we work it out. Yeah, that's good. Unless I say, oh, I have an idea. And then the whole plan goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love hearing that because I, I will say when I jump from part-time to full-time, I always heard people saying, I'd rather work 80 hours a week. And I answer to anyone, then work for 40 hours to answer someone. And I thought, no, why, why would I want that? Like, th- that was my initial thought, right? And I really, exper- I really thought that the hours I was going to maintain was the same hours as... Well, actually, I thought I was going to work less than a school administrator. Now, I do work less than when I was a school administrator, but I still work like crazy. Yeah. So, so I understand. So it's good to know because I think the dream is sold a lot uh, on social media big time. You know, hey, Q4, I'm going to work really hard. I'm not going to work the rest of the year. Now, I do know a couple of people here and there that are able to pull that off. If you can't, head to you. But the reality is to keep things, to sustain things, especially if you're a full-time reseller, it's going to be, it's going to be a hustle. It's going to be a grind. Yeah. So, yeah. And speaking of slow, steady growth, sustainable <laughs> growth, um, 
what would you say, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What's your plan uh, five years from now? Five years from now, knock on wood, all of our children will be grown and out of the house. <laughs> okay. So if that, and we will be hopefully close to done paying for college. Mm. So it will be the first time in our lives where we don't have kids at home and we're not paying for school. So we might just party for the entire nice. week. Um, but we want to be able to travel. We want to be able mm. to do things that. Yeah, and I still see us reselling. Oh, well, it's we'll, in your blood. It gets in your blood. Yeah, we'll we'll still be reselling in some aspect or another. Five years is a long way away. and Things change yeah. quickly sometimes. Mm. So, I mean, it's hard to say where we'll be or what platform we'll be selling on or what we'll be selling, but... We'll still be doing it. We'll, we'll still be doing something, for sure. Yeah, I get too bored. Oh, I know. That's comforting to hear because, you know, you are right. The the sell through, you know, life expectancy <laughs> as far as I mean, not, not sell through, but resellers that stay in the game. I, I can tell you, I mean, I've only done this, you know, really seriously for six years. And in those six years, I maybe over half of the people I used to see on social or on YouTube aren't there. They're gone. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. some of them have moved on to better, bigger things, maybe. But some of them just they were done with it. So. Knowing that you guys are saying, hey, five years from now, we're okay doing this. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a plan on how I'm going to resell my butterscotch pudding at the nursing home. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, reselling will always be there. That's hardcore hustle right there. <laughs> I like that. She knew specifically the pudding, too. It wasn't just oh, like, yeah. I'm going to sell somebody. It's butterscotch. I've done the market research. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the sell-through rate. Anyways, okay. Yeah. All right. Do you have your you have your question that you always ask? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to ask it, but I th I feel like they they gave us a good answer. But maybe you have something else out of here. So, um, we didn't we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about your backstory, but I know, uh, Cindy and Matt, that you guys, you know, you've you've had past experiences. You've got a lot of experiences here as a reseller. Um, so, I as a teacher, I feel like one of my biggest responsibilities to like the young people is to like impart wisdom, right? Like something they could take on their their life and apply to their life, and so. I like to ask my guests, um, what are what are some things or what is one thing you would say to somebody like life advice that you've learned that you wish you could like impart onto somebody else? So it doesn't have to just be like young people, but like what's one or two things that you wish that, that you could tell somebody and say like, hey, do this in life and, and you'll be successful or happier or, or whatever. Trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. I think too often people follow the crowd, they follow the path that maybe society, your parents, whatever tells you to do. Trust your instincts. Take all advice as theory. Until mm. tested. Until tested. That's nice. good. Hey, another quarter and of the week. That's, that awesome. actually, that's one of yours, but yeah. I stole it. But yeah, take <laughs> all advice as theory until tested. Mm. So we were saying all this stuff. It's great for us. It works for us. Test it. Mm. Make sure. Don't do big tests, do a little mm -hmm. test, see how it works, and then change your results based on or change what you do based on the results. Yeah. That, that was good. Yeah. Super deep. That that should be a book. You need to you guys need to write a book and title it that. You know. <laughs> test maybe, all theories. Test all theories. No, yeah, test all advice is theory. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what are your thoughts uh in the current state of reselling, right? Because we hear, you know. It, you, you get both both sides. You get the one side that's all about 
we're only it's only the tip of the iceberg. It's going to be huge. Then there's the other side that says it's oversaturated. Reselling's done. You guys on YouTube have destroyed reselling. So, so well, what are your thoughts about the current state of reselling? I think it's probably somewhere in between. I don't, I don't think it's the tip of the iceberg anymore. I think those days are are done. Um, but I also don't think that in five years there won't be a market for me to resell on. Mm. So, you know, I think we're probably somewhere in the middle, and that's that's a good place to be, in my opinion. Mm. We've got a little bit more experience. I think sites are a little bit better now. I think buyers understand, you know, you got to remember when it was the tip of the iceberg, I would have people message me and say, I'm trying to put my credit card into my computer and it won't accept it. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was tip of the iceberg. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, this middle ground, it's not bad. Mm. Yeah. And, and markets fluctuate. So, yeah. you know, I mean, before YouTube, you've seen items oh, yeah. rise and tank, you know, mm. You can't just put all that blame on YouTube. I mean, so yeah, styles change, trends change. It's what it is. You know, what people may say is an item that's below to death today may not even be relevant tomorrow. Mm. You know, it could be something totally new that no one's talking about. So that sounds fun. (laughs) No, that's great. Um, So Real quick, why don't you tell our listeners um, first where they can find you on social and other platforms, and then um, what are some of the other things you offer? Because I know you have like a really great course that came highly recommended by uh, Sellquick Shipquick when we did their uh, their interview. They talked about it a lot. So, what are some things that you? Uh, where can our our listeners find you? So um, on Instagram, we're Amazing Taste Store because Amazing Taste was taken. So it's Amazing Taste Store. Um, and then we have a YouTube channel. Yep. Yeah. It's just amazing taste. Um, <laughs> we'll put the, we'll, we'll put the, we'll put the link the below. Description. So. Yeah. Yeah, put the link below. What's amazing something. Just, yeah. just Google amazing. And I'm sure you'll get great results. Your face. You know, you know, you you know you're a reseller before a, a social media creator when, you know, you're like, I wonder what my social media tag was, you know? <laughs> so totally yeah. get it. No, that pays the bills. And um, I do have a coaching course. I'm going to do one in January. Don't know how often I will do it, but past that, very, very small groups really was set up um, as a way to help people, you know, grow their businesses. It's not a beginner course by any stretch. Mm. You know, like there are great beginner courses out there. Like if you're just starting out, there are great videos. You guys do great videos. It's, you've gotten all the low hanging fruit. This is the 201 class. Yeah. Yeah. This this is a little bit higher up, a little higher level. Um, So it's not for that beginner reseller at all. Um, But yeah, I just, and totally truthful because yeah, we're not great content promoters here. I just put up a post on Instagram and it usually sells out that day or within two days. Um, well, but, my wife and uh, I definitely want to get in on that, so we need to. We need to are, sign are up. You soon. right now sign up on the market. So, here's the thing: you gotta you gotta catch us with amazing taste on Instagram. Their Insta stories go up at three in the morning, uh, Pacific Standard Time. Maybe no, not even. Is that that's a Midwest time? So that's like three that, o'clock Central Time. Yeah, no, no, I don't put up anything before five thirty. I try. Okay. So in we do e-commerce. 
I've also done a lot of social media and I've worked with a lot of small businesses on social media and that sort of thing. And I always say, my social media account is everything you shouldn't do in life. (laughs) So it is like the anti don't do it that way. Yes, they go very, very early because that's what I'm thinking. And that's what I'm like planning my day. And yes, so it's very much what not to do. But it's great. If you guys are listening, follow Amazing Taste Store on Instagram. A lot of great content dropped. Whenever there's an issue, I always go to to Amazing Taste Store first because you seem to have that that knowledge. The lowdown. The, the lowdown on what's going on, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, so we don't want to keep you up too late. You are two hours ahead of us. So thank you guys so yeah, much for being you. on the podcast. We definitely want to have you guys on again. You guys are incredible. And uh, with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace.